Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Seven years to the day, October 8th, 2013, the very beginning, the debut of WrestleRant Radio on the airwaves, and here we are exactly seven years later. Mr. Marceau still joining me here for WrestleRant Radio. We've had you on, we've had you off the show, Mr. Marceau. You've been back for the majority of 2020. It's been an amazing journey, my friend, bringing seven years worth of audio to the listeners out there, it's been amazing. I've had a great time. It's been awesome doing the show alongside you, Mr. Marceau, and I can't think of any better time to host the seven-year anniversary show than today with everything that we have to talk about. So, happy seven years, Mr. Marceau. Happy to have you a part of the ride. It's been, it's, hey, it's been a long journey. It's been a long journey. We go from the closet that was the EC radio room on Endicott College campus to doing the show in person, other places, to now doing the show over the phone, um, over FaceTime audio to be specific, uh, seven years later. Any favorite memories that stand out from the WrestleRant radio archives? You always say check the archives. Got to get a t-shirt that says it on the back. But uh, the, the Mr. Marceau Farewell Tour, specifically the Mr. Marceau Farewell episode, uh, back from May of 2016, stands out in my mind. Your Rey Mysterio rant, where's Rey Mysterio? Uh, where's Seth Rollins' statue? That stands out to me. Uh, there's been a lot of rants this year that have been great. Any one memory or moment that stands out from the archives as being your favorite in WrestleRant Radio's history? Um, I mean, there's a lot of them. I, I will never... The, the Stephanie McMahon Royal Rumble. <laughs> will never, I will never forget that and never not laugh. It was probably one of my favorite moments. Um... I just, I don't know, it's just like one of those things, just the way you put it, I just couldn't not laugh, and I couldn't contain myself. That I'm pretty was, sure I put myself on mute a few times, so I was laughing so hard. That, that was the Royal Rumble 2018 prediction show, if people want to check it out in the archives. Every episode is available, cheap plug, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean. Um, I forgot exactly what date that was, but that was from late January, and I remember you picked me up for the Royal Rumble that weekend, because we were actually in attendance for that show. Um, and I don't know if I had you on a review the next week, but I know we did the predictions together and that was, (laughs) I think you listened to it. That was literally all you listened to. Like for the first 20 minutes that I was with you, when you picked me up, um, was that clip from the show that day. That was pretty good. There was another, there was another one too. I was thinking of, Oh, from later on that year, I forgot exactly what episode it was. Um, but the, I think that moment for you was what this moment was for me, was when you did the impersonation of Natty's father, of Natalia's father on the show. You fucking had me in tears, dude. Good. Good old, good old, uh, Jim, Jim Neidhart. Rest in uh, peace. I think it was from November of 2018. It was only a couple of months after he passed. And no disrespect to him, but it was such a great impersonation of Natty's father from Total Divas. I will never not laugh whenever I go back and listen to that. And it's been almost two years. Uh, so it's been amazing. We are talking a lot here today from TakeOver 31 NXT, TakeOver 31 last Sunday, which I did have the pleasure of watching with you, Mr. Marceau, in person on Sunday night. We're talking Raw. 
Uh, we're talking NXT on Wednesday, AEW Dynamite, as well as the draft coming up tomorrow. Now, we won't spend a ton of time on the draft because this episode is this episode is going up on Thursday. Um, it won't be as relevant come night one of the draft on Friday night. But I'm looking forward to it. I always enjoy draft time. Does the draft stand out to you, Mr. Marso, as one of your favorite times of the year for WWE? Yeah, because it's just like a nice little refresher, I guess. It's, especially with Raw lately. I think SmackDown's done pretty well over the last couple months, just being fresh and, I would say, must not must-see, but more refreshing to watch. And I, I think it's just the storyline stuff that they've been going with, the whole Roman heel stuff. I think everything else they've been doing is pretty fresh and new, so I think that's helped the show a lot. Raw could desperately need that right now. At this, at this point, I feel like they're just a car running on fumes at this point. They're just kind of keeping the same rivalries going just before the draft and just hopefully once the draft is over, they can refresh some things, but I think just any division on that show just feels stale, and there's not really too much exciting things on Raw, so um, I think for Raw's standpoint, they really need it. SmackDown, I mean, I don't think they really need it right now. Like I said, I think they're kind of killing it right now um, with what they got going on. Maybe refresh the tag team division a little bit, but besides that, I, I would I would keep it pretty uh, – pretty much the same right now for SmackDown at least. Well, yeah, I was going to say, so I want a shake-up come Friday and Monday, but the issue is I don't want too much of a shake-up to the point where we have SmackDown completely depleted of all of its top stars, because I feel like that's what happened a year ago with SmackDown, and it never really, it, it did recover. It did recover ultimately in the last couple of weeks, where the show, in my opinion, and your opinion as well, has been better more often than not. Um, but those first, I don't know, eight months of SmackDown on Fox were fucking brutal, dude. We're brutal. Like, you would even tell me, like, you didn't even watch the show. I mean, right? You didn't even tune into the show more often than I, right? Yeah, but that's also because they were going with the stupid Corbin Reigns feud with the dog food and just stupidest, there was the stupid-ass gimmicks and stuff that they were doing on SmackDown. It was just, like, unbearable to watch. So they definitely have changed that recently. And uh, I, I, I've watched SmackDown more religiously than Raw at this point. Really? Even though, even though it airs on a Friday now? Yeah, I got the DVR, so. <laughs> I love it. No, yeah, I feel like the Roman-Corbin feud didn't help matters. Um, they had Braun as champion for a while, and we like Braun, but the rain didn't exactly light the world on fire. Uh, the Goldberg-Wyatt stuff was completely unbearable. Um, so SmackDown's had a rough first year, I would say. Before we get into all the other stuff real quick, how would you you know assess the Blue Brand's first year on Fox? Because they went to Fox almost exactly a year ago. From last Sunday, actually, when I saw you. Um, it's been a year that they've been, a full year now they've been on Fox. They've had a lot of lows, some highs. Do you think the future is bright for SmackDown on Fox? Because they popped a pretty big rating that first night. And then the ratings have seemed to uh, have seemed to decline since then. I know we're in a pandemic. There's no fans. I understand that. Um, but how would you rate or rank or whatever, assess SmackDown's first year on Fox? I would say it was a mixed bag. I, I think at first, obviously, that first episode did pop a big rating just because people were excited. Like I said, I think the booking and weird storylines that they had going on at first had really kind of killed it for SmackDown and Fox. Like I said, they basically were all the whole Roman and Baron Corbin shit. Like, no one cares. Love Braun, but his title reign was forgettable. Goldberg getting involved. Never on TV. Like, just kind of, like, hijacking uh, the, t- on the championship on SmackDown. That never really helps. It's... Kind of hurt Raw whenever Lesnar was champion. So, um, I think the last probably since WrestleMania, I think the show's been pretty well. They've had some good storylines. Um, loved the Mandy and Sonya. I mean, the match wasn't the greatest, and they kind of blew that off. But I thought the Mandy and Sonya storyline was probably 
one of the best women's storylines they've had in the last five years that didn't base around a title. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the match itself wasn't the greatest, but for two women that haven't really proven anything, I thought that was very well built up. Um, loved the Roman heel turn recently. Piranha's champion was eh. Uh, the Fiend's been doing good stuff. Love him and with Alexa Bliss. So I'd probably say the first six months was probably like CD range. Lately, I'd probably say BA range. So I'd say it started off pretty shittily, um, even though it's not a word. And then <laughs> the last like five to six months, I've, I've been digging SmackDown. Yeah, they've had some good stuff recently. It's far from a perfect show. For example, the Miz and Otis stuff, I just could not care less about at all. But that Otis, Dolph Ziggler feud, Mandy and Sonya were, you know, among the best parts of SmackDown for a while there in the first half of 2020 for SmackDown. Uh, Miz and Morrison getting back together, I liked. AJ Styles as Intercontinental Champion, now that was very entertaining. Now Sami Zayn is kind of carrying on that role as well. He's done a good job, um, in, you know, in the last couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, we'll see how SmackDown fares coming out of the draft on Friday. We'll get into more draft-related discussion um, coming out of the reviews of TakeOver, Raw, Dynamite, and NXT from this past week, starting with TakeOver 31 on Sunday. Now, we won't go match by match for every show, but we will for this one um, because there weren't many matches. But overall, dude, I think, is it safe to say this was the strongest TakeOver they've done probably since the Portland show back in February? Definitely of the pandemic era, right? Yeah, I thought it was a, not a, it wasn't the most noteworthy show, but I thought all the matches were really, really done all the matches were good to, to good to great, I'd say. It felt like to me, and I know we're almost exactly five years removed from this show, I really, really enjoyed TakeOver Respect um, from five years ago this week. That was another show I actually watched with you, too. Um, no titles changed hands, but it was just a really, really good show. Well-booked, a lot of good wrestling. Uh, that was kind of what Sunday felt like, but better. Better wrestling, no title changes, um, a notable return or two. Um, but yeah, I thought overall it was just a really, really good show. A lot of great matches and a very hard-hitting main event that we'll get to soon enough. Um, before we get to any of that, it was announced that Halloween Havoc is coming back for the first time in almost two decades since it was last held by WCW, I think in the year 2000. So uh, I know you're not a big WCW guy. What was your initial reaction? And now I was very excited that when I saw you, Mr. Marceau, um, about Halloween Havoc coming back. Well, what were your initial thoughts? on the return of Halloween Havoc returning as an NXT TV special on the 28th. No, I was excited. I think I think a lot of people have wanted for years just to be, that should be the October pay-per-view. Lose Hell in a Cell, like we don't need to do, oh, but it's October, it comes Hell in a Cell again. Just make it Halloween Havoc, put it at the end of the month. It's just a great concept. Never was in, big into WCW, but the set was always great with the pumpkin. and Just, I don't know, it's Halloween time, just spice up a little bit it's nothing crazy so i like it i think it's cool that they're doing it um so i i, I just i'm honestly surprised it took them this long to do it they've, they've been doing like the great american bash and stuff for a while around like fourth of july time so you you'd only think that halloween havoc would they be doing that during the october but they've kind of dropped the ball on that but i think it's one of the one of those kind of pay-per-views or gimmicks or kind of things that people for the longest time have wanted and for some reason, they just never got it, but it's nice to see it come back finally. We got to get the pumpkin, right? We need. I need. I need to see some pumpkins. I mean, <laughs> need to dress it up, but just like in your house, like you don't even make it over the top special, but like give me some old nostalgia feel. I agree. Speaking of Halloween, real quickly, what's your uh, costume contest or how, what's your costume idea? How's that coming along? I think you already told me, but I already forgot. No, I, I don't. I don't think we even shows them on yet. I'm not sure exactly what we're gonna do. We'll do something. I, I don't know what we're gonna do, but. We're going to go to a, a 
my sister's house for a party on Halloween, so we got to figure out something. Hey, don't take part in those NXT parties. That's how the COVID spreads. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me that your favorite Halloween Havoc memory has got to be Hogan versus Goldberg, that masterpiece from 98, I think it was. Not that shit show that was Eddie versus Ray, right? No, Eddie, I mean, it's probably one of my favorite. <laughs> uh, Eddie and Ray from Halloween Havoc 97. 97, probably, yeah. Probably one of my favorite matches of all time. <laughs> So where did you first see that match? Because obviously you didn't watch it live. So where did you first see that match? On my Rey Mysterio documentary. Oh, okay. On that DVD, what is it, Behind the Mask or whatever it's called? Uh, let me see. I actually might have it right here. Let me take a look. Nope. Wasn't it the green DVD? No, nope, it's... Let me see. They may have done another one a couple of years later. Um, no, this is uh, Rey Mysterio 619. It came out in uh, 2003. Jesus, 2003. I thought it was like 05 or something like that. No, this one's just called Rey Mysterio 619. Um, goes over basically his him and Tijuana, then going to WCW, his matches with Dean Malenko, Eddie, then going over the about then basically the beginning of his WWE career. But yeah, good stuff. That's when he first, hey, that's when I first saw Dominic and the whole. Mysterio clan, love to see that they're uh, back on Raw again. <laughs> Mini Marceau probably ate that DVD. Uh, ate, probably ate that DVD up when it first came out. I I probably seen it ten to fifteen times. <laughs> That's me with the Batista one from 09, the I Walk Alone one. Oh goodness, I love that DVD. But moving right along here to Takeover, I thought it was a great show. Um, we kicked off with the NXT North American Championship match, Damian Priest. Versus Johnny Gargano. Now, this was the third consecutive takeover that Gargano has gotten a shot at the North American title. Safe to say it's probably his last because he's lost all three matches. In fact, Gargano has not won a takeover match since TakeOver New York, dude, when we were there a year and a half ago. And he's partaken in a ton of takeovers since then. 25, Toronto 2. Wasn't at War Games, but he was at Portland. In your house. TakeOver 30, now 31. Lost all of them. And I feel like it's getting to a point where beating Gargano doesn't really mean as much as it should. And this was a great match. It's a big win for Priest. I know Priest is really, you know, very much grown on you. Um, as he should, I think he's great. And I'm happy he retained here. But what's going on with Gargano? I mean, first of all, what were your thoughts in the match? But the fact that he lost here, was this a must-win situation for Gargano? What's going on with him right now? No, I thought this was a good match. Like I said before, Damian Priest has really grown on me with the babyface badass character. Um, I thought this was a good match. Great to see that Priest went over here. Um, with Gargano, I think it's just the product of him just being there for so long. Like, he's done everything at this point. It's just, I mean, the guy's been in development for almost five years at this point. There's just not really too much for him left to do. I mean, he's won all the championships. He has had huge reigns, but he's already won all the belts and stuff. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do here. I mean, he's one of those people that's like, I'm never going to go to the main roster, but... I mean, are you going to stay on development the rest of your career? I, I, I hope not. So I think that's kind of why he hasn't really won much. He's just kind of putting other guys over. But I agree with you that since he has lost a lot lately, it doesn't the win against him doesn't seem as, as big of a deal as it should have been, especially back when he was main eventing takeovers and probably one of the most popular wrestlers in the company at that point. Mm. Do you think he is main roster bound coming off this latest loss? And, and like you said, he has said before, oh, I'm never going to the main roster. That could very well be a lie. Do you think he is main roster bound come Friday or Monday? Um, I mean, if I was him, I don't know why the hell he'd want to say that. I mean, obviously, the the pastures aren't always green on the main roster, but 
it gets to a point. I mean, there's plenty of guys they call up too, way too early, so that's why I could say, oh, they called him up too early. He's just done everything. So maybe he won't have this great main roster career, but what are you going to do? Sit and develop, like I said, sit and development for the rest of your career. And just, like I said, I just, and with the way that NXT is, obviously it is a brand, but the whole point is getting people to the main roster is the, and becoming a big star is basically what the plan of the program is. So eventually he's got to move on from that. And he's just. Uh, unless he wants to just put over talent the rest of his career, I mean, I, I would say just call him up sooner rather than later. The later they wait, the more this, that he loses on national TV, the more the people just don't care about him. Well, we'll merge this with the NXT thoughts from Wednesday night. It looked like they are teasing an alliance now between Candice, Johnny, and Indy Hartwell after she, I didn't even really notice this the first time from a couple of weeks ago in the Battle Royal. Um, Indy helped save Candice and multiple, and multiple times. And she sent them a new TV in the flash drive with the footage of her helping Candice. Do you think that's what's next for Johnny, being a manager for a Candice-Indy Hartwell tag team, maybe? Uh, I, I guess. I don't know why the hell you want to do that. But um, I guess it's a different direction. But, I mean, I think he wants to be in there wrestling. I, I, I just... I... I I do not enough words for that GSM. I guess if that's what he wants to do, knock yourself out. But uh, I just I don't know how it's the direction you really want to be teetering into. But I, I guess it's a possibility. I just I don't know. I th- I I would think like most people, it's like if you're in a profession, you want to be the best or on that big platform. I I would assume that eventually he'd want to go up the main roster and show his skills. But if he's content with staying down in NXT, I guess he'll be managing. Uh, Indy Harwell and whatever, and Candice. I mean, the tag team division's a joke anyway, so not, that's not like he really needs to do that, but who knows. Yeah, no, I like the tag team idea. I just think it might be a waste of Johnny. I mean, this is a former NXT champion, North American champion, tag team champion. The guy's done it all. Um, so to relegate him to a managerial role, I feel like might be a waste, unless he was hurt, which I don't think he is. It doesn't sound like he is. He wrestled just fine on Sunday. Um, so we'll see where that goes. I like the Candice Indy Hartwell idea. Candice has already challenged for the championship multiple times and has lost. So the fact that she might be shifting her focus towards the tag titles, I'm totally fine with. But as far as Johnny goes, that's more of a question mark. So we had Kushida versus Velveteen Dream, which was probably the weakest match on the show, but it was still very good. Uh, Dream came out with the whole, you know, Christopher Lloyd, Back to the Future get up, which you didn't really recognize. You've never seen the movie, which is fine. Uh, but it was a very good match. Kushida won clean as he should have before beating Velveteen Dream's ass right afterward. Now, I would say, oh, was this a, a write-off for the Velveteen Dream? Are they moving him to the main roster? Are they doing this or that? Which they still could move him if they wanted to. But he showed right back up on Wednesday, interrupting Kushida versus Velveteen Dream. I'm sorry, versus uh, Tommaso Ciampa. And Ciampa won by DQ after uh, Dream accidentally connected with uh, Ciampa instead of Kushida. So, I don't know. I just, I just don't really care about the feud continuing after Kushida won clean here. I thought it was a good match. It's a big win for Kushida, but I feel like, as I've told you time and time again, as we talked about last week here on the show, Dream stock has dropped dramatically, specifically in the last year or so. Yeah, I, I thought the match it was, like I said, probably the weakest wasn't the great. I'm just, like, I'm just so out on Velveteen Dream. I just, everything that's gone on, I'm just so in, in, uninterested in him at this point. I just, they just need to move on from him. I mean, I like Kushida. Um, it's great to see that he finally got a win that mattered, I guess. I mean, like you said, Velveteen Dream hasn't... This is probably the lowest he's felt in his career with WWE, so, I mean, I don't know how big that win is, but like you said, he beats the shit out of him after the match, and then Velveteen comes back on Wednesday. So, we'll see what happens, but 
I, I just hope they move on from Velveteen. I just, I really just did, could give two shits less about the guy at this point. As great as the main event was, I think the Cruiserweight Championship match might have been my favorite of the show. Just because we know what these guys are capable of from their time in Lucha Underground. Um, that being Santos Escobar, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Fantastic match here for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. I thought they went out here and killed it. Yeah, it had some interference from the rest of Legato del Fantasma. They had Ashanti the Adonis interfere, which was random as all hell. They attempted to interview him afterward, but it was still kind of random. There was no established you know, alliance there between Adonis and, and Isaiah Swerve Scott, which is why I thought it was weird. And a lot of people don't even know who he is. But anyway, I thought it was a great match, though, and this could have very well gone either way. You know, we talked about this last week here on the show that unpredictable uh, that unpredictability definitely added to my enjoyment of this thing because you didn't know who might win. And ultimately, it was Santos Escobar retaining the title. Uh, amazing match here, Mr. Marcel. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, I thought this was one of the probably, like you said, probably. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I really like the main event as well, but I, I would say it was one A, one B here. I thought this match was done really well. Um, like you said, I like the factor of we thought Swerve would win, but we wouldn't be shocked if uh, Escobar won here as well. So it was a good little match. Um, everything looked crisp. It just was a great contest. Like I said, a little interference, which I'm not the biggest fan of, but wasn't too overbearing that it like ruined the match for me. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly who that guy was either. You said he was on 205 Live. I, I mean, at least it looks like Swerve's a nice guy backstage and has some friends, so that's always good to see. Um, but besides that, um, it was nice to see Escobar win here. Kind of wish he dropped the belt just to move on to brighter, better things, but... Uh, I guess just keep him strong now and maybe lose to that other guy down the road somewhere. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that he might, that guy, Ashanti the Adonis, might get the next shot of the championship? Because otherwise, I'm not really sure why else he would have gotten you know, got involved here. Yeah, I think that's what it would make sense at this point. Um, like I said, I'm not sure. And the Cruiserweight division is pretty limited anyways, so um, I guess that's the next direction to go on. Yeah, they don't, they don't really have many Cruiserweights at this point. They, they fired a lot of people. Um, you know, Jack Gallagher got canned. A lot of people left. Some people moved on. Mavericks are not even that division anymore. He moved on to um the tag team stuff with uh, Killian Dane. So speaking of which, what were your thoughts on that on NXT this week? It's it's grown on me. I didn't love it initially. Um, that tag team division needs help. But between the goofy ass music and it, it, it's one of those things where I feel like people either enjoy it like in a team hell no type of way, or it's just going to be too stupid for their liking. But I personally have enjoyed it so far. Well, it's something different, I would say. I'm, I'll hold reservations for it a little bit longer. Uh, the tag team division needs new new blood, so it is nice. They're not used. They've never really used Killing Dane correctly. Uh, Maverick's good. I wouldn't say he's anything special, but putting them together at least gives them something new rather than just kind of floundering uh, in the mid card. Back to takeover, Io Shirai, Candice LeRae for the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, fantastic match here, as we would only expect. From two of the best that NXT has in the entire company, actually, just on the whole, um, as well. But, you know, they had great matches last year in 2019. This was no different. Again, another case where it could have gone either way. We expected Chirai to win, but at the same time, though, I thought there was a case, there was a possibility Lorraine might win because Gargano didn't. But they actually both lost, um, despite the interference from Johnny and... I didn't love the whole referee thing. It kind of gave me Sasha Bailey vibes from Extreme Rules when I, I hated that, so I would be a hypocrite if I said it like this. Um, I could see what they were going for. Didn't love it. But the match itself, other than those shenanigans, I thought was uh, I thought the match itself was really, really good. So in addition to that, we also had the returns of Tony Storm 
and Ember Moon being revealed as the new mystery person um, afterward, which was really cool to see. But before we get to that, I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. What were your thoughts in the match itself, Mr. Marceau, between Shirai and uh, uh, Lorraine on Sunday? No, I thought this was a good match. Uh, I thought this was probably one of the better matches I've seen. I feel like her and you have good chemistry. Um, everything looked good. Uh, didn't love the Johnny shenanigans. I wouldn't say it gave me Sasha and what's her Bailey vibes because she, she didn't win off it. It was kind of silly though, um, but I'm glad to see Io go over and then the the reemergence of Tony Storm and Ember Moon. Just I like the women's division. I just I just at this point once we said I think we said last week besides Candice, I guess you'd do her and Rhea again. Um, so I, I like Tony Storm a lot. I think she should have been. I think. If the pandemic hadn't happened, she'd already been on NXT uh, proper. So it's nice to see her on the show. I think she's a, a great guy. Could be a big champion for the main roster online. So I'm glad she's back. Mm-hmm. Love Ember, too. I just She just never really got a fair shake on the main roster, I feel like. So bring her down. And I don't even say season her more because I think she's good in the ring. I guess just use her correctly. Uh, maybe bring her up as a, a bigger star down the line. But, uh, no, I, I like the two new additions. I thought this match was good. And, can't wait for those new, fresh matches for EO. How strong is that NXT women's division right now with the additions of Ember Moon to the mix, uh, Tony Storm coming on in? You know, we still have Rhea Ripley, EO Shirai. Tegan Knox is out hurt right now, but we have Candice LeRae. I think I just mentioned Dakota Kai. Um, Mia Yim got called up. Mercedes got called up. But they have a lot of women down there at the moment, uh, more than you would probably think. How strong is that division right now, RJ? It's strong. It's probably the strongest it's ever been. I mean... There's five to six title contenders. Um, they have other people underneath that are up and coming. It's just—it's a very strong division, um, which it kind of—it's like good and bad because not everyone gets a chance to shine, and then you know most of them will get called up and not do a damn thing. So, um, but no, I, I think the division's probably the strongest it's ever been. Um, it's just crazy. It's just crazy how with the tag division so depleted. I feel like the obviously when Oscar was champion. She didn't really have too many contenders. Um, just kind of beat up the Iconics and Nikki Cross. But to come from where the, we were then to now, it's kind of a whole 360. So mm-hmm. I know once I think around there they started doing the Mayan Classic too. So they started getting new blood in there. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think the division's probably the strongest it's ever been, and uh, I think there's plenty of credible con- contenders from EO, and, and anyone could beat her. I feel like at this point, and I wouldn't really shake a stick at it besides like Aaliyah. Well, you don't want to see Aaliyah as the NXT Women's Champion. She's been there for five years, RJ. Yeah, she needs more seasoning, unfortunately. More seasoning? She's been there for five years. She was on breaking ground, for God's sakes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think she has a she has a decent look, but I feel like she sucks in the ring. No, she's terrible. Uh, we I want... She probably has regressed, if anything. <laughs> yeah, she's absolutely one of those people that has completely regressed, and I have no remorse in saying that because it's true. Um, we get to the main event, Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. I love this match, just really hard-hitting, great, fresh stuff. Um, they really built up Kyle O'Reilly as a title contender last minute, but they made it work, and it was a lot of fun to see, and I think he thrived in the role, so hopefully this isn't the last major opportunity he'll get on his own, whether it be in NXT or the main roster. But I thought he killed it here. It was a really, really good match. So Balor wins clean, and it felt a bit abrupt, but that's because people don't normally win with one finisher. Uh, which I thought was nice because it's you know something we don't normally see, so I like that. 
So Balor wins. Uh, we found out later on NXT, or before NXT this week, rather, that he actually broke his jaw in two different places. Now, Kyle O'Reilly might be more hurt than Balor is. I've heard some things that he might be concussed. That was purely speculation, I believe. Um, but they haven't released any update on his injury, so I'm not exactly sure what's going on with him. Balor will be back soon, very soon, actually, to the point where he doesn't have to vacate the championship, which is good. Um, but yeah, this was great. So afterward, we had Ridge Holland emerge in the crowd and dump Adam Cole's carcass right down the ringside. And he was helped up by the rest of Undisputed Era, and that was the end of the show. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Ridge Holland may or may... I think he was hurt. He was actually hurt legitly, uh, legitimately on Wednesday's NXT. Not sure what's going on there, or how hurt he is, or where he even suffered the injury. Uh, but anyway, though, I really love the main event. I am interested to see where they go from here with uh, Ridge Holland in that spot. Yeah, I thought the, the main event was a hard-hitting affair. Uh, they did, I think... They did well with what they did with Kyle, um, kind of making him as a credible uh, contender at the very last minute. I think he's great in the ring. I think he's undershadowed a little bit. Uh, him and him and Finn worked well together. I mean, Finn's great anyways, but they worked great together. At one point, Finn was even getting like making you have sympathy for Kyle. I mean, he was just taking a beating. wasn't going straight healing on him, but like he was beating his ass at some points and like making you really feel bad for Kyle and just like. Made you want Kyle to come back, which he did. Obviously, like you said, Finn beat him with the coup de gras. Felt abrupt, but like you said, if that's what happens when you hit everything but the kitchen sink and they kick out normally. So it's great to see like an old-fashioned wrestling match. You hit the finisher, one, two, three. Um, very refreshing on that end. The Ridge Holland stuff, I mean, we'll see where it goes. Felt extremely random. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he needs a lot more seizing as well. I, I, I mean... I don't think he should be going in there beating Adam Cole in a, in a one-on-one match anytime soon. So we'll see what happens. I think he has a good look, but I think he has a little bit more, a little more, more seasoning before he's a, like a, a title contender on NXT. Unfortunately, does this apparent new program and direction for Undisputed Era all but signify they're going to be sticking to NXT for the foreseeable future? Uh, I, I guess. I, I just. I, I think they should just get called up at this point. Maybe. I mean, technically, they can still get called up. I mean, they're all working out of the Orlando area, so why, at this point, why as well? But I don't know. I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like they were so hot before, and then now they've definitely, obviously because of the pandemic, but even what, just, I feel like they've cooled off so much. I don't even know if a main roster, like, if people would even care if they got called up at this point. So maybe hold off a little bit longer, but then they could be probably dead in the water by the time it gets to that point. So we'll see. I don't know. The pandemic's really hurt a lot of stuff. I feel like just pushing people and calling them up. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But if there was a crowd, they should have been called up around WrestleMania time. And I think it would have been hot as hell. But unfortunately, those circumstances happened. Didn't happen, but I think they need to, I don't know, do better by the group. They need to feel more special, I feel like. Well, do you think, we've talked about this before, you said they're really cold right now, which I, it's hard to argue with. Um, do you think a breakup is the is the answer? I mean, I've, I would say no. I think they should be called up together, but that's just me. I, I, I would call them up together unless, yeah, I would call them up together. I think that's where the money is, at least, right, where, where initially the money was. I guess if you're going to break them up, I, I would definitely push Kyle harder as a single. Um and then have him and when they eventually get called up, you have Kyle and Adam as a prominent single, and then you can call Fish and Strong up as a tag team at first. Mm-hmm. I think Strong can eventually become a good single as well, but 
Uh, I think with Undisputed Era, that's kind of helped him come off a little bit better. So if you're going to split them up, just do it correctly. Like I said, push them hard as singles, come up, and then maybe down the line you do a, a group, you get the group back together. But, I mean, I don't know. I'd rather them call up together, but at this rate, I feel like they just keep pushing it off and it really won't even matter. No, I understand. Yeah, no, I feel like I, I, I just don't think splitting them up is the answer. I feel like there's more money to be made with them as a unit, um, specifically on Raw, on SmackDown against the New Day and people like that. I don't know. I feel like they might just be lost in the shuffle if they get called up separately or, you know, as, you know, either at the same time or like one or two at a time and then the other two later. I don't know. Like Cole and O'Reilly go up. Cole to SmackDown and O'Reilly to Raw and then Fish and, Fish and Strong stay put in NXT. I hope that's not the case. I would rather see them together. And I'm really, really hoping this whole Ridge Holland thing um, isn't just one giant work to make it look like, oh, you know, Cole's a sympathetic babyface, and then he turns heel again. I feel like that would be, I don't know, Cole and O'Reilly feud would be nice, but eh, I don't know. I just feel like there's more money to be made with them as a unit. Maybe down the road, right now, I would argue against that. Um, but it was the tale of two shows. I thought TakeOver was tremendous. Raw was, uh, Raw. Raw was Raw. Not exactly, you know what, not the worst show I've ever seen. We've ranted quite a bit about Raw. We, we, we've ranted quite a bit about Raw in recent weeks here on the show. Um, I, I watched not live, but after the fact, and maybe that's what made it more bearable for me, was fast-forwarding through all the commercials and the entrances and the bullshit, blah, blah, blah. But I thought it was, I, you know, it wasn't a terrible show, but it wasn't, a, it was far from a great show. I feel like, and again, we won't going to the knitting gritty of, of everything on Raw just because there's really no need. Um, but easily the highlight, in my opinion, was the Mustafa Ali Retribution Leader reveal. That's been the hot topic of the week ever since it happened on Monday night. Now, honestly, I'm looking at the results right now for the show. Had I, I, If I didn't have my own review of Raw up in front of me, I probably wouldn't even tell you two other things that happened on this show because I don't remember. I like the main event. I thought McIntyre and the Street Profits versus Orton, Root, and Ziggler was good. But the Ali reveal was shocking, but in a good way, because I think it might actually make sense. So I haven't really gotten your thoughts on this yet, RJ, but what were your thoughts, what were your two cents on Mustafa Ali being apparently revealed as the new leader of Retribution? I think it was shocking, and it was nice to see. I just, and it does make sense, obviously, did the whole hacker stuff that he, was doing, that he rumorly was doing on SmackDown. I just, uh, I just, not that I don't like Mustafa, I just, I feel like the group should have had, like, a more developed leader, I guess. Like, I don't know. I feel like you should have had a bigger star or someone that people actually, most people know who they are as a leader of this group. And then you could have, maybe have Ollie join, then take over down the line. But I, it's definitely something for him, I guess. So I, I'm not going to, like, crap all over it. But I think for a casual person, like, who the fuck's this guy? Yeah. No one, like... He hasn't really been on Raw that much. He came back, but then he's kind of floundered recently. Now he's in the group. I mean, I yeah, like I said, it could, we'll, just, we'll wait to see what happens. I'm not going to crap all over it. I, I just think that they probably should have had someone more more mainstream or someone more noteworthy be the leader of the group. But we'll wait and see. That's our, uh, that's our catchphrase here. We'll mm -hmm. wait and see. But uh, it was different. It's new. We'll see where it goes. You know, I'm willing to give this a shot. I'm not going to say, and I, I said this on Hashtag on Wednesday, I'm not going to automatically say, oh, Retribution has been saved. Like, my Retribution shirt isn't in the mail or anything, but I like the move. <laughs> um, it's a step in the right direction. I understand what you're saying. It's just really hard to think of someone that would make sense. 
um, off the top of my head. Like, it's not like, oh, man. Like, for example, when they had Matt Hardy coming into AEW, a lot of people were like, oh, Matt Hardy, the Dark Order. Like, it makes too much sense to not do. And they had Brody Lee in the role instead, which has been fine. Um, but, like, there's not one person that makes sense, in my opinion. Um, so I think Ali is, is a good fit just because they can hopefully explain it to make it, to have it make sense. If they could say, oh, Ali was being overlooked since coming back to Raw and he was the hacker, blah, 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 then I'm all in on this. Not the group itself. I'm not Retribution's number one fan all of a sudden, but I like Ali in this role. I don't really give a fuck about Retribution itself. But, (coughs) excuse me, Ali being in a prominent position on the show, I like a lot. He's too talented to be relegated to main event any longer. So I like this. Um, You know, like a Kevin Owens, I feel like that wouldn't have made any sense. A Shane McMahon, been there, fucking done it. Randy Orton, been there, fucking done it. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like Ali is different. It does pose the question when you have a guy like a Dio Madden in the group or Mace or whatever the fuck his name is and T-Bar, Dominic Dijakovic, why would they follow someone that's like half their size? That's a good question. I think we'll find out on Monday. I hope we find out on Monday. I don't want to give this company the benefit of the doubt creatively um, in terms of explaining this stuff because very rarely do they actually take the time to explain it. Sometimes the explanations suck, but this can make a lot of sense. The tweets that Mustafa's been putting up since the reveal on Monday have made a lot of sense. I want to see that on Raw. So I'm going to give it a shot. Um, I don't think it's going to be anything overly newsworthy, anything overly great, but it could be, and I like Ali being in this role. Um, But yeah, I think that was one of the best parts of Raw on Monday. I thought the execution of it was well done, and they did a good job of making it look like he was joining the Hurt Business or whatever, so I thought that was good. Uh, but man, overall though, Raw was, uh, just kind of raw. Honestly, I really don't have a lot to say about this show. Um, did you like the Orton Ziggler Rude versus McIntyre Street Profits main event, RJ? Yeah, I thought it was a good match. Um, I think Ziggler and Rude work good together. Um, it's a new, if they put them together, it's another team in the tag team division that could use it. Um, haven't really been loving the Randy Drew drawn out feud but it was nice to see them kind of further a little bit on the show but kind of once hell in a cell I'm, I'm ready to move on yeah no I completely agree I mean I was ready to move on after SummerSlam and after Clash of Champions so I mean that's that's an understatement um, but I thought it was a good match I thought the best part of the show was the final 30 minutes with the Ali stuff in the main event um, everything else was just kind of there there, re- there really wasn't anything worth noting about the show like whatsoever uh, we had a women's tag team title match. Completely forgot about that, to be honest with you. Um, it wasn't bad. It was just kind of there. The Riot Squad lost, and uh, I guess that's it. I don't know. I don't know if they'll continue the feud, but that was it. Um, Rollins attacked Murphy after the... So what were your thoughts on the progression of the storyline with Murphy, Rollins, Ali, and the whole Mysterio family? Um, I'm trying to think what happened. Yeah, it's just... I like that Murphy kind of... Like, Murphy obviously... It, attacked Rollins, but I just, I don't know, I feel like it's just, they're going to go back to it again, and, like, he'll be on Rollins' side again. Um, he's just, he's really, he comes off as an idiot, because Rollins, he, like, basically, he was beating the shit out of Rollins, Rollins like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and then he just gives up, and Rollins kicks his ass, so, yeah. that was kind of stupid, but, uh, I just, I just, I just really don't know where it's going, it just, they keep involving, I love the Mysterio family, I'll defend this till I die, but I just don't really get the direction they're going right now with them. It just seems kind of she's with Murphy, and then like now that she's not, and she's showing sympathy for him, but like why? Um, 
I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll defend it till I die. I just think they need to do better progression than just her like laying on him and be like, "Oh, you're okay." Mm-hmm. And then the fam, the whole family's got to come out and like drag her back. Like, I don't know. That's kind of bizarre. And they, I think they've just dropped the ball on this. They just need to scrap it at this point. Do you think the draft might fix that if they send one of these people to SmackDown? Um. What if what if Aaliyah gets drafted to SmackDown? The thing is, I feel like there's they've they've already invested so much in it. They they're not gonna just drop it. That's no, the, no, that, I, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, it's not one of those storylines that actually has like some kind of like it actually can ha- mean something. And they if they just don't like there's plenty of times they have storylines that they're just like they keep drawing them out and just, there's no end game and stupid. Just like the Eric Rowan thing, like thing lasted forever and it was never gonna be anything big anyways. And then they eventually just dropped it and they're like. Oh, Bat, like one week it was over and done with, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. But like this is like I feel like they've already dug in, they've already dug themselves in so deep on it that there's gonna something's gonna happen. Even if Murphy went to SmackDown, I feel like Ali would show up. I feel like they're gonna have some kind of alliance between them. Not sure why. Um, maybe like even if they're like lovers, there's just like no. <laughs> there's like no like preset thing in it. It's not like when Murphy. And Ray, when they were, like, beating up Ray and Dominic before, like, they would come down, like, they'd show some affection or anything. Like, she just randomly one time, like, showed some sympathy for the guy, and now all of a sudden she runs out every week to save the guy. Mm -hmm. So, we'll see. I'm dug in on this one. I love the Mysterio family, so. (laughs) We know you do. I'll I'll just eat crow when this eventually, this this thing just blows up. (laughs) It is worth noting that Rollins and Murphy are separate in the pools for the draft, but Ray and Dominic are not. They're actually a pairing, so that's interesting. Um, I don't think any of them are getting drafted. I would love to see Dominic get drafted to SmackDown. So he's, I mean, I want to keep Ray and Dominic together. Um, I think that's really where the money is there with them as a tag team when Ray is cleared again. I think Rollins is fine where he is. I would like to see Murphy move. I just want the storyline to end, and usually I'm not an advocate for like ending things cold turkey and moving on, but like with this, it, to me it's been so bad, I just really want to see it be over. But it is what it is. That was really it from Raw, to be honest with you. There really wasn't anything else that happened. We had a six-woman tag team match. The Orton promo that kicked off the show I thought was good. Um, Keith Lee and Braun Strowman in an exhibition match, which was random, um, was fine. But I guess there's obviously some unfinished business there. So maybe they pick it up after the draft and whatever show. I don't know. Just the whole thing is just, it, it wasn't a great show. It wasn't terrible. But would you? it was probably a mundane show, right? Yeah, the show was all right. Like I said, it wasn't the worst show I've seen. A lot of fast forwarding. Um, just kind of like it wasn't very newsworthy either. It just kind of was just there. Um, I'm just more interested to see what they do with the draft. I mean, I think I just hope SmackDown doesn't get screwed again. And I don't know. I just feel like a lot of guys on Raw just feel stale. Like I love Rollins, but the whole like I just feel like him still in this feud just like. I just don't care. I just don't care about him right now. Yeah. Whole money on my side there right now just kind of feels stale at this point because they've done, they've fought the Mysterio family for like six months. It's like, dude, move on. <laughs> yeah. They have no one else. Like, Raw's in such a bad shape mid-card wise. There's just no one else really for him to face. So it's just mm-hmm. like, they just keep going to the well again. So hopefully, I, I, I mean, I guess you could get drafted to the SmackDown. I don't think he's really ever been on SmackDown. So I guess you could do that. Um... I just, anything besides this, just please move on, even though I'm dug in deep. No. Yeah, I completely agree. 
Uh, that being said, before we move on to Dynamite, there really isn't a lot to talk about from NXT. I thought NXT was a decent show on Wednesday. Um, enjoyed it on the whole. Not a lot of newsworthy stuff. But uh, we did get the return of Dexter Loomis beating Austin Theory following Theory's win over um, Leon Ruff. He just he just actually got signed to WWE earlier that day, so congrats to him. Um, your thoughts on the return of Dexter Loomis, RJ, to NXT? I just don't, I don't know. I think he's a good talent. I I think they're very high on him. I I think coming out of that breakout tournament that they did earlier uh, last year, him, Brooke, Bronson Reed, and, and Cameron Grimes, they've definitely been high on. I like Reed and Grimes. I, Grimes definitely grew on me a lot. I think Bronson Reed has a ton of potential. I like Loomis as well. I just, I don't know, I feel like his gimmick is extremely, extremely limited. He doesn't really play the gimmick that well either, like the Durain Psycho. He's okay in the ring. He's, eh, I like him beating up Theory kind of bothered me. I think Theory just scream star. Um, it just and then Karam's attacked him after, so that was kind of nice to see. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I think he's good, good little guy, good mid card guy. But eh, I I just think there's other more important piece on NXT they need to focus on. So who wins that feud? We have Grimes and Loomis probably coming up at some point. Grimes has lost a lot recently. He hasn't had a lot of big feud, you know, winning matches. But Loomis, they were pretty high on before he got hurt. So who wins? I, I would go with Grimes. I think Grimes has more potential. I think his character is different, better. He's annoying. He's like an annoying heel. I, I would go with Grimes and just start building up people for Balor to face. Um, I, I would go with Grimes. He might sound... You might think I'm crazy because I was never the biggest Cameron Grimes fan, but I just I think I just don't like Loomis that much at all. So I'd rather see Grimes get that shot than uh, than Loomis. We transition now over to AEW Dynamite, also from Wednesday night, um, an equally decent show. I didn't think it was a great show. It was fun. I enjoyed it, but um, I didn't really care about the main event. Um, there was some stuff I liked. Nothing really stood out as being special. And I think for both of these shows, to be honest with you. It's because they're holding out. Takeover it probably should have been... Uh, the, the, the post-Takeover show probably should have been better just because it was coming off a of Takeover, even though I enjoyed it on the whole. Um, Dynamite, obviously, it feels like they're holding out until next week's show, which is going to be the big one-year anniversary show. And they never made it clear as to why it's the one-year anniversary show when the actual one-year anniversary of Dynamite was two weeks ago. So, by the time that airs, anyway. Uh, but I thought it was a decent show overall. We had two title matches, including Brian Cage versus Will Hobbs for the FTW Championship. And yes, that is an officially sanctioned title by the company. Uh, do you see any potential there in Will Hobbs, RJ? We've talked about this before. I thought he looked good here. Um, I honestly did like the match. I know you don't really give a fuck about Will Hobbs and you can't really take him seriously. I like the match. I like Will Hobbs. I think my only one nitpick with him is that they got to give us a reason to care about the guy. Like he took Hobbs, or sorry, Cage to the limit here. But um, we don't really know anything about him. We haven't heard him speak. Maybe he's a terrible talker, but they they have to at least try. So th- that's my one big issue with Will Hobbs personally. Yeah, I just I thought this match was for good good for what it was. I guess um, I like Cage. I think he's been a glorified loser since joining AEW. I mean, they threw a rant, a fake title on him. They just kind of pump him up, but he's never won a big match. So. He's just kind of there. I love Taz. I like Starks. I like their group, but they just—they're just kind of like another. It's like a—it's like WWE version of like Zelina, Andrade, and Garza. A good little group, but they lose whenever it matters most. Um, I like Cage. I like Taz. I think Taz has been great in AEW, especially his commentary. But 
Cage has just kind of been there. It's the big guy that just, like I said, he has a fake title and hasn't won anything that matters. Hobbs has a great look. He was on dark for a while. Lost to Orange Cassidy in two seconds. I'll never forget that. <laughs> uh, like I told you before, they need to change him to Bill Hobbs, William Hobbs, change his whole name to Crook. I just, I can't take this guy seriously until they either explain why I should take him seriously or just change the guy's gimmick a little bit. I cannot get over the fact that he lost to Orange Cassidy in two legit five seconds, but then he's beating, he's going 20 minutes with Cage. It just, it, it just blows my mind. I, I, will not, I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think he would be better off joining Team Taz? They kind of hinted at that on, uh, on the show this week, following his loss. Yeah, I would like him a lot more if he joined Taz and they changed his name, yes. Okay, we'll see, we'll see. They, they, I thought he might attack Darby Allen for a moment. That usually is what happens, but it didn't happen. He just kind of stood there, but we'll see next week. If he costs them, like if he teams with Darby and then maybe he attacks him and he could join him, I could totally see that being a possibity. Um, we had the uh, the tag team title match as well. The tag team titles defended the hybrid two, going for the gold against FTR. A good match. I mean, obviously it's kind of hard to take the hybrid two seriously when all they do is lose, but I enjoyed it. It was nice to see them showcase their skills for a change. I like that. I feel like the only real highlight for the show from the show for me was the Cody Brody Lee match. Now you had your issues with it. I enjoyed it on the whole. I thought it was, you know, hard hitting, physical, bloody, not too, too much. Um, told a good story. I liked it a lot. I really did. Um, the first match wasn't really much of a match when Brody Lee won the championship. So I liked the match. And personally, I don't really have much of an issue with the outcome. And normally I would. Um, I know you didn't. I'll get to that in a second. For me personally, I was kind of already of the mindset that Cody was getting the belt back. Now, it obviously becomes a question of why would you build up Brody Lee with a three-minute win, a three-minute squash win over Cody, if, if, you know, if that, um, if you're just going to have him lose the belt. You know, they wanted to make it, you know, storyline-wise to me. They did that because they wanted to write Cody off for a month which is why he was gone for so long. Build up Brody as being a big monster heel uh, for a little while before Cody comes back. Brody was just there to keep the belt warm. And then Cody gets the belt back. I always figured Cody would get the championship back at some point just because him losing it felt abrupt to me. It felt like they were teasing that heel turn and he said last night, oh, you know, I'm not going to go bad or whatever. Even though, I I don't know, they never really made it seem that way in storyline up until, you know, they never said anything about it is what I mean, but. And I know he has the dark hair now, but like, I still see him losing that championship at some point to a Scorpio sky or a Darby Allen is probably the most popular pick. Um, I just felt like Brody at the time wasn't the right choice and the way they did it was great. It was an awesome angle, but I always felt like it was just temporary until Cody came back. And now that he's back, they can kind of pick up where they left off with him as champion. So I honestly don't really have much of an issue with it. I do have an issue with the match that we have next week, but we'll get to that in a moment. So your thoughts on the match itself, RJ? It was a dog collar match. Um, I didn't think it really limited them that, that much at all. I know you felt differently. Um, I didn't love the match. I just thought it was really, really good. And I, I Personally, I thought it was better than most strap matches. Uh, and I fucking hate that stipulation. I think it's really stupid. But I thought this one specifically was actually quite good. So what was your analysis of the whole thing, RJ? Your thoughts on the match itself and your frustration among other people's frustration with Cody getting the belt back from Brody Lee so quickly? So I thought that, like I said, I said before we get on the call that I thought the first 10 minutes, it felt very plotty, very slow paced. And I thought they were just focusing way too much on the stupid chain. Like they were just doing all these spots with the chain, the focus on the chain. Once that first 10 minutes came off, they actually started having like a hard hitting match. And I was getting into it. 
My issue with Cody winning it is I understand that, like you said, in theory they they had him lose in three minutes for Birdie Lee to write Cody off TV, but it's not like 1990 when there's no there was no internet. Like we knew Cody was getting written off TV to go to, like film some TV show. Yeah. So basically, he took a month off to film a TV show and he came back and won his belt, and they just gave it right back to him. And I thought that like. They were finally going to do something. Like, I'm not even the biggest... I, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan. I didn't really like, like the group at all. I don't even like the Dark Order. But at least them putting him over Cody so big... Like, such a... Like, I mean... Not that it really meant anything, because everyone takes Cody 20 minutes. So I guess if you beat him in three, it really wouldn't matter. But um, putting him over Cody in such a fashion they did, that I'm like, okay, now, like, he's going to be a big deal now. And... Like, he'll probably hold the title for a while. And then just to lose a month later, he had, like, one defense against Orange Cassidy, and he needed to belt wrestles just to To, to be lose. fair, he, he did beat Dustin Rhodes, too, to be fair. I don't care. <laughs> uh, he was, like, 60 years old, so I don't know. I just I, – th- I thought that this was, like, going to help the Dark Order become some legitimacy, and now that he lost the belt, what are they going to do with him now? That's the issue. It's like, okay, Cody won the belt back. He's not, it's not like they're going to give the belt back to Brody Lee. Or, or we're going to play hot potato with the belt now? No. What's he going to do? Go back on... Like, that's the issue. I don't even like the group, and I'm arguing for them is the problem. That's my biggest problem the whole thing. I don't even like the group. I shouldn't even be defending them. I think they're boring. I think they're all a bunch of jobbers, and they're losers. But they give this one guy who has some talent that everyone's like, oh, my God, like, he's got to go to AEW. Like, he'll get this big rub. Like, he'll be a big star. He's in the same exact position he was before. He had the Intercontinental Championship for a fucking hot second, lost it, and he was a fucking loser. And that's probably what's going to happen here. And then no one will say anything because he's in AEW. Mm-hmm. That is my problem. If you want this guy to be a big star, you give him a big moment, but then you took it. Exact... My issue is they gave him a big moment, and then they took it away a month later. And it's not like he's going to get the belt back. He's already. I don't think he's going to be contending for the world title anytime soon. It's just, I think it's a lose-lose for him. And now the group looks like even bigger losers than they always do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't know. So they, what were you gonna say? I said I could go if I actually cared about the group. I'd actually go on a long. <laughs> my issue with the dude is that I agree with you, but I wasn't angry about it just because if they were on this hot streak. And listen, I, I like Dark Order. I'm actually the opposite of you, where I enjoy them. Do I have their T-shirt? No, but I like the Dark Order gimmick. It's grown on me. I enjoy most of what they're involved in. They gave them that big angle at the end of Dynamite, and that was the peak. That was it. I mean, yeah, Brody went on to beat Dustin and Orange Cassidy in matches that I think he needed help from the rest of the Dark Order from. At least with the Orange Cassidy one, I remember that. That wasn't that was a whatever match. The Dustin Rhodes match, I think he won on his own. I don't remember. That was a good match. Far from amazing. I remember we talked about that on the show a week ago, or a month ago, and people were like, oh man, instant classic. I'm like, okay, who cares? Um, but I enjoyed the match for what it was. Th- that was it, though. Because they went on to have an eight-man tag team match at All Out with... Who was it? Scorpio, Dustin, QT Marshall, and, and Matt Cardona. And the fucking makeshift eight-man team of the babyfaces won. Cardona hasn't been seen since. Scorpio Sky hasn't done anything since. QT Marshall's a fucking loser. And Dustin Rhodes obviously pinned, you know, he won the match so we can get a title shot. That was the only reason that match existed. So any... Any idea of this faction becoming dominant and, and super unstoppable, to me, died that night. And we, we, you know, I ranted about it after the All Out uh, pay-per-view and during our review of it the subsequent Thursday. 
because I thought it was dumb. Why would you build up this group just to lose? So I wasn't surprised what, with what we got on Wednesday this week with Cody losing. I'm sorry, Cody winning and Brody losing. The Dark Order losing another major match. You know, I don't know. It didn't really bother me. I just don't really care about Orange Cassidy getting yet another title shot. And that's coming from someone who actually likes Orange Cassidy. He's not going to win. That that's another issue. You talk about Brody Lee and the you know his big wins and lo- and losses and whatever. It's kind of the same thing with Orange Cassidy, where it's kind of the opposite, where he actually beat Jericho twice, two big wins, or at least they're supposed to be. Hasn't really done a lot since he lost to Brody Lee already. He's going to likely lose to Cody next week. And as I said to you before the show on the phone, unless Orange Cassidy goes in there, picks up this huge upset victory and wins the championship and Cody just goes fucking berserk on him and goes heel, then I feel like it's a dumb match to do. Um, It's not unpredictable. Cody just won the belt back. And maybe that was, you know, that's what would make the title win that much more shocking. But I don't think we're getting that. Because Cody just said last night it would be weird if he goes, oh, the dark hair doesn't mean I'm a bad guy now. And then he goes heel. Like, that would make no sense. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like this whole championship picture right now is just a mess, dude. Yeah, I mean, now that you said that, I feel like Orange Cassidy's going to win and then Cody's going to beat his ass after. But, I mean, I just... I don't even... The thing is, even if he did... Like, the thing is, Cody was teasing heel before he left the first time. But yes. now, like you said, now he's saying he's not. But, like like you said, if Orange Cassidy somehow did beat him, I could still see him, like, beating the shit out of him after then going heel. It's just not but, consistent, like, that's all. But then, but then like... Doesn't make sense because then Orange Cassidy lost to Brody Lee, but then just lost to Cody. It's just I don't know. I, I don't want Orange Cassidy to be a champion at this point. He's a, I just no thank you. Um, I don't know. I just the issue. Another issue with the group is that it's so this is totally awful. so. MDF said he needs to join a faction. Why? None of the factions in the fucking show do anything, anyways. The Dark Order is a joke. The Inner Circle hasn't won anything that matters in fucking years. Fucking Taz's group's a bunch of losers. Like, oh, I need to join a faction. I may well win something. Why do you think that? Why would you think that? They've never won anything besides Jericho winning the fucking championship. And that was before the Dark Order was even, or Inner Circle was even a thing. Yeah. I just, I don't know. That just annoys the fuck out of me. And I don't want Orange Cast to be champion. And like, even though I didn't like really like Brody Lee, I thought he should have beat Cody. But. I guess when you can't allegedly can't face the world champion, you just hold the mid card championship the whole, your whole life. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I like Cody being champion. I thought he had a great run before he dropped it to Brody. Um, I feel like the filming of his show just kind of fucked everything up because he had a lot of good momentum. He was coming off the wins over Eddie Kingston, Jungle Boy, Mark Quinn, um, Ricky Horse. Starks. What'd you say? Warhorse. War. Your favorite. Um, and a bunch of other people, it was a great gimmick. It was catching fire, and it was one of the best parts of the show. Not every match was a winner, but, you know, more often than not, it was it was a pretty good gimmick. The Scorpio Sky match was good. And then he just kind of loses out of nowhere, and it's supposed to be this big boost for Brody, who has now lost to Cody. He's already lost to John Moxley. He hasn't lost a lot, but I feel like he lost it all out as well in that eight-man tag team match. wasn't pinned, but his team still lost. I don't know. I just, ah, it's just a little weird. I'm not really sure what to say. Um, I like Cody being champion again, but it doesn't do Brody any favors. It doesn't do the Dark Order any favors. Is Orange, are Brody, Orange, and, and Orange, uh, are Orange Cassidy, Cody, and Brody Lee the only three people that can fight for this championship? Because I feel like that's the entire picture right now, are those three. And it's not a three-way feud that I really care to see at all. I really just don't give a fuck at all. 
about you know that three-way feud. They got to move on from Brody in the title picture. This is what they're going to do with him. Um, they got to move on from Orange Cassidy. I just don't want to see the belt around him at all. Um, I would rather see Jungle Boys in that spot, or the Scorpio Skies of the world, or the Darby Allens, or the Ricky Starkses, or the Brian Cages. I just, I don't know, Orange Cassidy, Cody, and um, Brody Lee, that combination just doesn't do a lot for me because it just booking-wise doesn't make a lot of sense. Do you think they could put MJF in that picture, or is he too far? Like, you see him more as a main eventer than, than that. No, that's a good That's a good question. Um no, I guess I mean, him doing that. But the thing is, is that with Co- like Cody, I guess would beat him. He already beat Cody, and he would lose. I just don't want to see him lose again. So that's that's the only thing I wouldn't, I would you know, go against. I would say no to you know. Yeah, yeah it would be kind of weird because he wasn't even in the initial tournament to be in it. So I don't know. But thing is, like, I don't see him like. He's in a fucking weird spot too. Yeah, what about MJF? So you asked me about him on hashtag. What are your thoughts on MJF right now? Does he join inner circle? Does he lead inner circle? What do you think? He has a career altering announcement. He said next week on the show. Obviously, he's you know exaggerating. But where do we go with MJF from here? I honestly have no idea. I think he's so lost in the shuffle. It's not even funny. I mean, he's on the show, but he's just not doing anything. You thought after that big Cody win at Revolution, like okay, he's gonna contend for the belt. All of a sudden, he's just not on the show. And then he's all of a sudden thrown in a random feud with Jungle Boy and the Jungle uh, Jurassic Express. He won it. You're like, okay. Then he had that feud with Moxley. I hated the whole fucking political shit. Had a great match. Lost. And I just feel like now he's just kind of back into the, like that. After a big match, he's kind of just treading water at this point. I just, I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't have thought he was going to win the belt. I feel like Omega... It's kind of what they're looking at at this point, but what else do you do with him? Like you said, maybe he joins the inner circle, but what does that do for him? He's not mm-hmm. going to be contending for the TNT belt. He's not going to be contending for the world championship. So he's going to be the leader of a shitty group and maybe what face Jericho. I mean, I guess that's somewhat newsworthy, but Jericho's also coming off two losses to fucking orange Cassidy and taking 15 minutes to beat Luther and Serpentico. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I think Jericho's done a, for how big of a star Jericho was at first in this company with the whole championship, he was a big deal. Loses the belt, and he's been a fucking joke since. So I, I guess that's what you do next with him. Maybe he faces Jericho, but it's like that's like another thing. Like, Orange Cassidy beat Jericho, but I feel like it didn't really rub off on him that well. It's not like I think he's this big star now. Mm-hmm. I think maybe MGF, because I think he has the ability to be a big star, but I don't even know if that would even help him. I mean, Jericho's been – this is probably the – since he's been there, this is the least hot he's been. Last night it didn't do much for me. Um, I thought it was going to be something kind of big, and it kind of fell flat. Maybe next week we'll they'll spice it up for the one year anniversary. But I don't know. If you're gonna, I think if you're gonna do some kind of turn, you should have done it last night when everyone's sucking Jericho's ass. Mm-hmm. You could have MGF turn on him. I feel like WWE used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like a big like if they're celebrating someone, someone would turn on them. Yeah, kind of like a festival of friendship type of thing. That and there's other things that they've done down the like had big celebrations. Someone turned it felt like a big deal. I thought they should have done that last night. Clearly, didn't go in that direction. But uh, we'll see. I just think he's too big of a star to neglect. No, I agree. Um, kind of on that same front as well. Next week is the one year anniversary show. The inner circle did form on that first show of Dynamite, so I could see something happening with them on that first. Um, anniversary show next week, so we'll see what happens. One final question on the AEW front, though, before we get to the Raw SmackDown draft stuff. Could you see, or rather not could you see, who do you see 
winning that AEW number one contenders world championship tournament. Because uh, so far we have Cole Cabana, Jungle Boy, uh, Ray Phoenix, Wardlow, Omega, and Page. I think there's two more people. I might be mistaken. I'm not sure. I thought it was eight. It might be more. Um, but anyway, who do you see winning that tournament to uh, become the next number one contender? And I think Face Moxley at the next pay-per-view as well. I think they're pulling double duty on that shelf, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, pro, I would assume it's going to be Omega, do him and Mox a year after their first matchup, full gear last year. It seems like that's the direction they're going in. Um, haven't really been a big Omega fan since he joined AEW. I was like, we have a lot of smoke blown out my ass about how great he was. I don't think he's really been that great in AEW, but um, maybe maybe they can recapture that fire. But um, I would have put the belt. I'd put the belt at Hangman. We're going to change the belt anytime soon, but. Seems like they're growing the direction of, of Omega. Yeah, I would assume Omega wins, and he uh, maybe might even win the championship on that same show. That would be my guess. So I guess we'll find out uh, come, I was going to say next week, but I don't know if the tournament's kicking off next week. It's a, I don't know if it's taking place at full gear or like leading up to full gear. They haven't really said. I think, the, the, I think the finals of the tournament's at full gear. All right, so they didn't say that it's starting next week. I don't think it's starting next week because next week is the big anniversary show. It's already it's jam-packed. They would have three episodes of Dynamite before the pay-per-view if they started assuming on the 21st. I guess that's enough time if it's only eight people. Yeah, I don't know. just feels a little rushed, but it is what it is. Um, you expect all titles to uh, be retained next week. It's FTR, Best Friends, Cody, Cassidy, and Moxley Archer all for their respective titles. Yeah, I would say they all should retain. Sounds about right. Yeah, no, I agree. So we're going to close that out here. WWE, you know, a very abbreviated version. Uh, 2020 mock draft. Raw, SmackDown. Uh, they announced the rules of the draft on early Thursday. Um, I won't even bother going through them because it's all the same thing from last year. Stephanie will preside over the um, events of the draft, picking for Raw and SmackDown. The officials, we were told, will have a lot to do with who goes where from USA Network and Fox. Um, SmackDown gets two picks, Raw gets three picks every round due to the, you know, length of each show. Um, over 60 male superstars, female superstars, and tag teams have been placed into the WWE Draft. 20 will be eligible on Friday, and 30 are eligible on Monday. Now, looking at the pools, it doesn't look like, I was going to say, any injured people are on here. I mean, there are injured people, like Xavier Woods is on here as part of the New Day, um... Ivar from the Viking Raiders is not on here. Ah, man, I don't see Angel Garza. I don't. Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. He's on here. He's on here. So most there's a lot of people who aren't hurt anyway, so that shouldn't really be much of a problem. But otherwise, everyone else is free game. Um, who would you say, RJ, are the biggest people that you want to see switch shows in this WWE 2020 draft? Um, I think Rollins needs a facelift. I think going to Smith, that'd be good for him. Like I said, I think he's just faced a ton of people on, on Raw. He's, he's the only one, dude. He's one of the only people that has never switched shows since that initial 2016 draft four years ago. Okay, so yeah, so Rollins needs to change the SmackDown. Um, I, I mean, I'm assuming Braun's already on Raw. I, I would switch him to Raw. Officially, yeah. Officially, I guess. I mean, he's already on the show, but yeah. Um, so I think for the, the women, could use a shake-up. I, I would definitely put... I think it's like Sasha and Baylor doing their thing right now. I'd probably switch one of them. I'd probably switch Sasha if we could to Raw. 
I just feel like that Raw Women's Division is just meh at this do, point. Do you think that's why they're doing Bailey and Banks supposedly on SmackDown this week? Is because they're going to split them up? I mean, technically, I mean, realistically, this is what they should do. They should have the match. They should, like, obviously schedule like they're going to have the match. But then, right before the match, they announce the, like, they announce the draft picks and Sasha gets drafted the Raw and Bailey's like, I don't need to face you now. And they just delay it to WrestleMania at this point. Um, I mean... I would have blown it off in SmackDown, so I, th- I could see some kind of shenanigans going, but I think that's how you do it. Right before the match, Bailey comes out, Sasha comes out, oh, we're going to do a draft pick, up, oh, Sasha's going to Raw, Bailey says she's in the facer, and then they can just blow it off down the line. I, would, I would not know why you do it on SmackDown. Maybe pop a big rating, but it just kind of feels very rushed and stupid if you did on did it on SmackDown, so I would definitely push it back. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't do it on SmackDown, but... Um, I mean, I, I, the, the logic of what you said makes sense, but not within their own logic, because we've seen people go to separate brands, the opposite brand and fight for that other women's title. So I feel like that may not work. Yeah. Bailey's a heel. She can make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to think who else. I don't know. I just think the raw women's, I mean, the SmackDown women's division needs a little brush up too. So, um, I could see I Zelina moving on her own. What? I could see Zelina moving on her own. Yeah, I would like to see Payne on SmackDown, too. Payne oh, I agree. Yep. Uh, yep. I'm just trying to think of other women. She'd be nice. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, tag teams really don't matter because not really any of them. Um, um, yeah, I'm not really yeah. sure. I could see, like, uh, I could see, like, Kalisto moving on his own. Not that anyone really cares, but I could see him moving. I could see Ricochet moving. Uh, the SmackDown. I don't know if that would help. Ricochet would actually be really nice on SmackDown. Yeah. And he's doing fucking nothing on Raw. So. And he hasn't for a while, yeah. So, yeah, he'd be nice. I mean, Cedric would be nice on SmackDown. I think he was already on SmackDown, though. And he didn't do shit, so... No, no, he hasn't actually been on SmackDown, but I wouldn't split up the Hurt Business, though. Oh, yeah, I forgot that he was in the Hurt Business. Yeah, so I, I would put Ricochet on SmackDown. Um, Who do you think would get called up from NXT? I don't think anyone's getting called up because they're not doing any, any, any... They didn't say anything about NXT being a part of this, but if they were, I mean, Chelsea Green has been waiting to be called up for months now. I just assume they're waiting for a plan for her. Like, that. this women's division on both shows needs to shake up in the worst way. NXT does not need her. She should stay in NXT because she needs more seasoning. She's not great, but I think she'll probably get called up. Um, I could see Rhea getting called up. I think they'll do Rhea and EO before then, but I could see them doing it soon, um, just so they can move Rhea to SmackDown. Undisputed Air is an option, like you said earlier. Gargano and Ciampa, and Ciampa, uh, well, Ciampa, I guess, maybe too. Um, Gargano and LeRae are an option. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. Who else is on these shows that would make sense to move? Velveteen Dream, but who honestly could give a fuck at this point? Um... Just keep them on the opposite show from uh, from Malia. That's all I ask. That's about it. Um, I'm trying to think from NXT anyway. Who else would make sense? You can't. You also got to remember too. You're not going to split up any married couples. Like for example, like Bianca going to SmackDown. I would like, but you know she's with Montez and they're the Raw Tag Team Champions, so they're not moving. Um, right. I would, what'd you say? I mean, technically you could. They're still in the COVID era. I know for now, but when they start touring again, which might be soon they might not want to they don't normally they don't normally put people on different shows i understand what you're saying but when they start touring again which which might happen soon i would think that they're going to want to keep them on the same show yeah i mean it makes sense like yeah i mean 
I like the Usos. I mean, yeah. Well, the, again, if you move the Usos, you move Naomi too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but the thing is, Raw, the Raw Women's Division could use a could use more new faces on Raw. So I want to hate her on Raw. Um, I agree, but then now they're just doing the the Jay thing, so I don't think they'll move Jay in the midst of this Roman Reigns. And I, I want to see the Usos with Roman anyway at some point. So I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't move them. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I feel like a lot of like it'll be a lot more. Rain- it'll be more like undercard or underutilized people that get moved. I feel like there might be a couple. Like I could see maybe like Sami Zayn going to Raw. Well, he's the champion actually. So actually, I mean, if you like- do that, then you move the whole Hurt business. So. Which they could do. I they mean, could, yeah. I mean, they are facing Retribution, so it would be... Oh, well, I guess Retribution could go to SmackDown, but I hope to God not. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep that show up, please. So, yeah, don't move the hurt business, because then, then then, they'd probably get a Retribution on there as well. Unless, like, they're fine with doing, like, a little crossover until Hell in a Cell, and then you officially go full brand split at that point. Um, I mean, uh, if they do that, I'm fine with it. But I, I would I would keep Retribution on Raw, ruin Raw for longer than, than SmackDown. I don't want to see Retribution on SmackDown, unfortunately. Do you split up Andrade and Garza? I would put Garza on SmackDown and keep Andrade on Raw. I mean, obviously he's with Charlotte, so they're not going to... If they stick by those rules, I think they'll probably keep Andrade and Raw with Flair um, and Alistair and Zelina. I, I don't know. I guess Zelina's on her own now, so it doesn't really matter. So I guess they can move Black and Zelina to SmackDown. But anyway, I want Garza on SmackDown though on his own. Yeah, I think the thing is, it's like you want Garza on SmackDown, but then it's like Rick. It's just the issue is then you have Ricochet, and then you can do Murphy. It's just there's so many like mid card guys that you want to see move, but I feel like some of them just will not get utilized, unfortunately. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Ricochet's. I think he has so much talent. I mean, he isn't the greatest talker, so I, I felt like that could have hurt him a lot. And I I think that's kind of hampered him a little bit on the main roster, just because. Not really gonna push him too far because he's just not great on the mic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's just such has so much talent you can't fuck him up. But they found a way to do it, so maybe under, uh, going to SmackDown can help a little bit. Um, but I mean, his however long he's been on the main roster has not been good at all, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, SmackDown would be a nice shakeup for him. I want to see Sheamus go to Raw. I think that would be a nice move, um, just because I feel like he just. Hasn't had a lot to do on SmackDown. He's always lost a lot. I could see him moving. Uh, Jeff Hardy, maybe, just because he lost to Sami Zayn last week. I don't want to see Jeff move. I think he's a good fit for SmackDown, but I could see him moving. Um, <laughs> could you see AJ Styles moving to get away from Paul Heyman again? It's possible. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, honestly, he lost to Jey Uso last week, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean... And they have Roman on SmackDown, too, as the top heel, so that's why I say that. Quotes. Shorty G, get him the fuck, you know, draft him to AEW. How about that? Who? Shorty G. Oh, God. <laughs> they about the guy they freaking ruined. I mean, obviously, Jordan getting hurt. I mean, they did split them up before he got hurt, but him getting hurt. I mean, they probably would have, at this point, they probably wouldn't have went back to that well and did the American Alpha redo already because they he hasn't done shit on his own. I like him a lot, but I think... Especially with that company, he is just a glorified tag guy. I think he's good. I just I think they see him at he's like that Cesaro level. Like yep. he's good, but they'll never see him at like. <laughs> I don't, at least Cesaro's won. Like yeah, don't the, put him. Cesaro's like a five time tag team champion. Shortage. He hasn't done shit since he split away from American Alpha. But at least like with Cesaro, like he's won 
like mid card belts on his own. I don't even think they would even see, they don't even see Shorty G on, or Chad Gable on that level. No, so gotta stick him in the. T- I think he's a glorified tag guy there. <laughs> Not like it's bad. I think he's good. I just like I said, if if Jordan didn't get hurt, they he, they'd be reformed already, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Especially with the way the tag team division is right now. Um, I was gonna say this: some injured people aren't in here. Like a Jinder Mahal isn't in the isn't in the pool, which I would draft him right to the unemployment line anyway. But Elias is actually in the pool, which is interesting, which tells me that he might be back soon. He never felt like a good fit on SmackDown to me, so I'd probably move him back to Raw, too. Not like it really matters, but he just kind of feels out of place on SmackDown. Yeah, I, I would... Uh, I like Elias. I think he feels... He's more of a Raw guy. Yeah, uh, he's more of a Raw guy. Because it's like... SmackDown, they don't have so they don't have as much time to burn, so you're, like, you're not like strolling him out there to like play the guitar. Raw, that's like... That's that's a raw, it's a raw gimmick. Throw him back on raw. <laughs> yeah, they don't switch the top titles, right? You don't think they do that again? No, um, I no. wouldn't. I think Roman's perfect on SmackDown. I think what Ro- Roman's doing on SmackDown is just perfect right now for SmackDown. Flipping him the raw and then just giving them Drew. Love Drew, but he just uh, hasn't felt like a big deal as champion, obviously due to the pandemic and everything, but. You can't just take a hot angle on SmackDown and then just flip it to Raw, and then you give us Drew. Like, yeah, there's new things for him to do on SmackDown, but it's just like it's not fresh or hot, really. Yep. Like this Roman angle is probably one of the hottest angles they've had in the last ten years, probably. So. <laughs> oh wow, that's high praise. I mean, it's getting people talking. So I mean, mm. a lot of stuff nowadays doesn't. So uh, I would say keep it on SmackDown. They. The Fox execs, if you if you're listening, which you probably aren't, keep <laughs> SmackDown or your ratings will go under two million again. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, I would keep Randy Orton right where he is. I wouldn't move him. He was just on SmackDown a year ago. Um, I could see them maybe swapping Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. Um, I don't know if they would put them on the same show, but I could see them getting swapped. Um, Apollo Cruz just moved to Raw. I would keep him where he is. Move Nikki Cross. Get her the hell away from Alexa Bliss. They gotta move on from this shit. And she's also faced Bailey a million times and has fucking lost every fucking time. They gotta move on from it. You don't think they'll split up Bliss and uh, Bray Wyatt, right? No, they're a, they're an item right now. I would say. Um, I mean, they'd be stupid. To do. <laughs> yeah. It's like writing a it's like writing a movie then giving up like three fourths of the way. Like it's almost like we're almost there, and then. Yeah, so I wouldn't break them up. That would be really premature and stupid. So they'll probably do it. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, I, like, that's another person. Like, for SmackDown, I mean, she did out of a few... T- obviously, she's in a new direction now. And she's had a, plenty of title shots. But Alexa Bliss with this new fiendy character, like that, even if she stays on SmackDown, that's still something new and fresh. I mean, Carmella... I mean... I would move her, but the issue is that she's with Corey Graves, so they're not going to move her. I'd move her, but I literally don't give a, don't care. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about the whole untouchable like the, thing. Love the, like, nice to see she has a new gimmick. Uh, it just feels like Emelina, Eva Marie 2.0. Yeah, it's just, I think, I don't know, she's, I think she's good in the ring, but I think she's going to be like one of those, just like a, like a Natalia, like she's there, she's not going to really do much, and she's kind of there. I, I think Carmel is okay, but like, she had her SmackDown title run. It was as good as it was going to get. She hasn't got much better. Her character's not the greatest. They changed her character. I still don't care. I just, 
I feel bad. Like I said, I mean, she's made a lot of the ends on cast, so I can't complain too. I, I would say she's had a pretty good career for herself, but uh, I just don't care at this yeah. point for her. Yeah, no, don't care. Don't care. Um, the rest of these guys are kind of like just jabrones. I'd probably split a Miz and Morrison. I know you need teams, but these guys have just been dead in the water for like six months. They just The, the more they just stick together, it's just it, the worse it's going to be. So I'd probably split them up and move Morrison back to Raw. I've always liked Miz on SmackDown. That's really about it. They're not going to move R-Truth. That The USA Network executives love R-Truth and the whole 24-7 dumb bullshit. Um, move to Zawa just to end that dumb shit, please. Please. I mean, that actually probably wouldn't stop them just because Drew Gulak's been involved recently, and he's a SmackDown guy, so I'm, I'm sure it doesn't even really matter. Um, interestingly, they have Dava Kato here in the draft and Arturo Ross. Why? I have no idea. They've, they've been in Raw Underground two or three times. I like them both, but I don't need to see them on the main roster proper. They're just not ready for that at all. So I'm not really sure why that's the case. Um, and that's about it. Jay's on his own. There's no Jimmy there. I mean, sure, they'll probably stay on the same brand. Um, and that's really about it. Carrillo's dead in the water. I don't really see them that, that move making a difference. Maybe Kevin Owens, I could see him moving again. He's moved every year anyway, so I don't see why not. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the draft, uh, with the draft on Friday. Um, should be interesting. It's always one of my favorite nights of the year. Last year, they kind of botched it. And the interesting thing about last year is that Raw actually got the better end of the deal. I would say, coming out of the draft in 2019. And SmackDown ended up being the better show a year later. I mean, at that time, Raw was better, but now SmackDown's better. It always flip-flops every year. But, um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it on Friday and Monday, so it should be fun. Mr. Marceau, this has been a great seven-year anniversary show. You've been a part of the ride for the better part of the past. Of those seven years, you joined the show in March. You joined the show five months after I started doing it, maybe episode 20? Maybe I'd have to go back and check. You've been you've been pretty much here since uh, day one ish, as uh, the Usos would say. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long ride. I mean, crazy to think it's been that long. It makes me feel old, though. So, <laughs> yeah, chill out with the seven years. Holy shit! Uh-huh. Been been doing it seven years, and only I just got to visit the Marceau compound for the first time on Sunday. What the hell's up with that? I know. I just I hate the seven years. You need to cut that shit out. I feel old now. <laughs> I've been but, doing uh, it for we're we're gonna reach the eight, we're gonna reach the fifteen year mark in about eight years and then we can go. I've been doing this for fifteen years. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> don't even I don't even want to think about that. But uh, uh, just no, it's been a great ride. It's it's been fun, great show, and uh, always great talking to you. Always, Mister Marceau. This has been awesome. People can check out new episodes every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and Google Play, WrestleRantRadio.com, WrestleRant.com. Every week, new episodes, as I mentioned. Um, Next week, we'll be breaking down the anniversary show, actually, which is going to be cool from AEW, the results and the recap of the WWE draft, so a lot to talk about next week. we got Hell in a Cell coming up in a couple of weeks as well, so there's never a shortage of topics here in the world of wrestling and WrestleRant Radio. People can find you, uh, Mr. Marceau, on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau and myself at WrestleRantRJ. Great time as always. I'll catch your ass down the road, brother. Take care.